Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, everyone. It's Dev Raga, Personal Finance, and this is episode 31. In this episode... I'll talk about the type of investing that I commonly do, and it's called income investing. Um, And I'm going to focus specifically on investing for dividends and what to do with those dividends. Now, as you know, the motto of this financial channel is basically to educate yourself about the basic principles and concepts of personal finance. And in this episode, we'll focus on the investment strategies that you may have. Now, the basic premise also about this channel is you have to pay yourself first. Take your salary after tax income, take 20% of that income and put it away in a savings account. To give you an example, today is Tuesday, so it's payday for me. I'm taking the 20% of my after tax income and I'm putting it straight into my investment account. It's money that I don't see, it's money that I can't use, and it's money that I can't and won't touch until retirement. That strategy, if you can implement it behaviorally and make it automated so that it happens on a fortnightly or monthly basis depending on when you get paid, I can guarantee you, probably not guarantee, but I can highly, 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 highly predict that by the time you retire in about 30 to 40 years' time, if you keep doing the same thing, even if you don't get a raise, you're going to end up with a significant amount of money in your superannuation or your investment portfolio, whatever it is. So that's the basic premise of this channel. But we also try and explore some concepts about personal finance. And one of the concepts that I want to explore in this episode is income investing. Now, why do people invest? When you think about it, the end game is you want to put in the money that, you, that you've hard earned into investments so that over a period of time, that money tends to grow and hopefully it produces some sort of income. So it's kind of what you're going to be planning for retirement. You're going to need some money to retire. You don't want to be relying on the government pension. Now, for the overseas listeners, um, Australia has a pretty generous pension system, um, but it's not really enough to live on. And they're very strict. If you have a certain amount of assets, um, you will cut off your pension uh, in a tiered format. So you don't get cut off completely, but certainly after a certain amount of money and certain amount of personal assets, the government starts saying, well, why do you need the pension? And you know, I think that's a relatively fair system. I mean, if you're a multimillionaire, you probably don't even need a pension. But I'm pretty sure in Australia, your personal home doesn't count for the assets um, that you have to calculate your pension. So you can actually live in a multi-million dollar home and still get all of your pension. That probably will change in the next 20 to 40 years time because we just can't afford it in this beautiful country. 
Now, overseas, it might work slightly different, where they include your personal assets. You need to talk, uh, to, you know, talk to your personal financial advisor or your tax agent to give you some advice about it. But certainly in Australia, when you retire, you have the pension. Um, and you want to dip into that if you want to, but ideally my strategy is not to rely on the pension at all. I'm pretty sure when I retire, I won't be eligible for any of the pension because I think my assets will just outweigh um, what is the threshold to even qualify for the pension. So what is income investing? Now, income investing just means that you have a you know uh, investments um, that are tailored to maximize annual passive income generated by the holdings, okay? So basically, you want to have some property. You want to have some super. You want to have some um, stock stocks. You want to have some index funds. You want to diversify as much as you can. But there are various types of income investing platforms or income investing strategies. So you can invest completely in index funds. You can invest in ETFs. You can invest in individual stocks, which I don't do. Uh, you can invest in REITs, which is basically real estate investment trusts. Um, you can also invest in um, cash accounts, online savings accounts, term deposit accounts. Uh, you can actually invest in investment properties, which a lot of Australians do. But my strategy, and I think most of everyone's strategy, should be to diversify as much as you possibly can, which means have your fingers in all of these pots or most of these pots so that you know that over time, if one of the pots breaks or goes down in value, you've got the other pots to you know, bring up your income over time. Now, if you have a look at the Australian Stock Exchange and the Australian stock market, over the last 30 years, we've actually performed better than the stock market in the United States, believe it or not. Over the last five years, probably not, but over the last 30 years, the Australian stock market has returned in excess of 10.8%. Now, the American stock market has returned, I think, 10.3%. So it's incredible. Our stock market has outperformed the biggest economy in the world. Now, why has it done that? It's done that because in Australia, a lot of the companies provide excellent dividends. And we have this unique dividend structure here where double taxation is avoided, and as a result, investors take note, investors pay attention, and investors like to buy Australian companies because our taxation laws are very unique in the first world economies. Now, so what's the end game? The end game is you have a system of investments, you have uh, you know, stock market uh, investments, you have index funds investments, you have property, etc. In your retirement, all of that generates cash, and basically, it comes into you as tax-efficient cash, and you can use that cash to live on. Pay the groceries, pay the bills, pay the utilities, have some luxury holidays, um, whatever it is that, that, that you want to do with your money. Okay? So that's the end game, right? Because you don't want to be relying on the government pension. So in this particular episode, though, I want to really focus on income investing when it comes to dividends, because I think Australian companies providing excellent dividends over the long term and dividend growth funds um, are just so advantageous for your personal finance and for your investing future. So if you're interested in the stock market or if you're interested in how to retire um, on you know, very high you know, value of dividends, 
I think you should pay attention. So what is a dividend? Well, a dividend is basically when a company pays the shareholder a percentage of their overall profit. The most important thing that I want you to understand is not all companies provide dividends, nor is it compulsory to provide dividends. Not all companies pay dividends, nor is it compulsory to keep paying dividends if they have paid dividends in the past. And I'll get to that in a moment. Okay, so when a company makes a profit, now obviously, if you're a company, you want to be making a profit in the long term. When it makes a profit, there are a few options for the company. The first option is they can take that profit and reinvest it into the company. The second option is they can take that profit and give it all away to the shareholders as dividends. The third option, which is what most companies do, is they when I say most companies, I'm talking about established companies, they can you know, keep most of the profit, but then they allocate a set amount per share in profits and allocate it to the shareholder. Okay, so if you have a thousand shares of a particular company that's having dividends, then you'll get a thousand, you know, uh, a thousand times whatever the dividend is per share. Okay, now when you think about it though, if the company is young, then they're going to be making a profit and you don't really want them to be giving profit sharing with the shareholders. You don't want them to pay out dividends because a young company needs to grow, which means you want it for them to keep the money and invest it into their own business so that they can grow more. Okay, so generally speaking, younger companies don't pay dividends. Okay, so if you have a look at companies like Tesla, for example, young company only been around for the last 10 or 15 years, you don't want them to pay dividends because Tesla has global plans. They're expanding, they're growing. They want to use that profit, if they're making a profit, to spend on their own business. Now, Older companies, a bit more mature companies, if you have a look at Johnson & Johnson, some of the big banks in Australia, Commonwealth Bank, National Australia Bank, Telstra, for example, these companies are so mature, there's not much growth, okay? So as a result, they're going to keep most of their profits and reinvest it into their business, but they're going to take some of their profit and give it to the shareholder. And of course, this keeps the shareholder happy. Okay, so Commonwealth Bank, for example, is huge, Australia's biggest bank. They're not going to be able to grow at a rate that they used to 30 or 40 years ago. So as a result, they're going to keep most of their profits and invest it into their business to, you know, maximize profits. But also they're going to give a little bit of a, you know, um, dividend to the shareholder to keep them happy. A bit of icing on the cake. All right. So how much is considered a good dividend. Well, that depends on a concept called dividend yield. So what is a dividend yield? A dividend yield is basically whatever the dividend is per share divided by the price per share. Okay. So for example, um, in this equation, if the price of the share goes up, then the dividend yield comes down. And if the price of the share goes down, then automatically the dividend yield goes up. So there's an inverse relationship here. Let's use a real example. Supposing you have a share that's worth $50 and the company wants to offer you a $5 dividend per share. Now that's a 
dividend yield. And the way I calculated that would be dividend um, per share, which is $5, divided by the price per share, which is $50, times 100. That's about 10%. Okay. Now, supposing that particular company does really well and grows and makes more profit, and now the share price doubles, that means the share is now worth $100 per share. And if you keep the dividend the same, you can see the new equation becomes $5, that is dividends per share, divided by $100, that is price per share. And therefore now the dividend becomes 5%. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Well, when you just look at the dividend yield, it looks bad. But you have to look at the whole picture, and that is the price of the company or the price of the share has doubled. So you've actually made money despite the dividend being the same. Now, likewise, if there's a stock market crash and therefore the price of the share, you know, halves becomes $25 and you have the same $5 per share, then you're going to get a 20% dividend yield. Now, in reality, a 20% dividend yield is a very high dividend yield. But you can see that just because it's a 20% dividend yield doesn't mean the company is doing well because the price of the share has literally fallen from $50 per share to $25 per share. So what is the strategy then? Well, the strategy has to be you've got to pick companies or you've got to pick indexes, you've got to pick stock markets that pays long-term dividend growth. So over time, the dividend yield is the same, but the actual dividends go up per share. So you want to make sure the dividends go up per share. But you want to also make sure the price of the share goes up. That is, the price of the stock market goes up over the long term. So that's the proof is in the pudding, right? So you don't just want the dividend yield to go up. You want the dividend to go up. You also want the price per share to go up, which means your dividend yield kind of stays the same. But overall, you get capital appreciation. That is the stock part price goes up and you get dividend appreciation. That is you get more dividends um, overall. So. That is the that is the basically if there's one take-home point from this podcast. When you invest, you want to invest for the long term and you want to invest for growing dividends and you want to invest for price per share to also grow. Okay? So if you have a look at some of the great Australian companies, all right, Australia is we're very lucky because you know we get excellent dividends. Uh, in this country, the companies just play fantastic dividends. You have a look at the bank shares, the Telstra shares. They are just absolute long-term winners in terms of dividends. In fact, most of the Australian stock market increases over the last 30 to 50 years has come from dividends. About 50 to 60% of the stock market gains has happened because of dividends. Okay. Now, remember, dividends are not guaranteed, so the companies are not obligated to pay you the dividends, but over the long term, if you choose a good company, a good stock market, good index, good ETF, the dividends are going to keep coming, and hopefully they're going to grow, and overall, the stock prices in that indices, or the individual stock, whichever way you want to do it, is going to grow as well. Okay. Now, 
when the stock market crashes, of course, the companies start tightening up because remember, they're not making profits. If you have a look at what happened at the GFC, a lot of the companies just cut dividends. In fact, they didn't pay any dividends because they haven't made any profit because times are tough. So when there's an economic recession, generally speaking, if the company is not making profits, then how are they going to give you the dividend? In fact, it's very dangerous if the company makes less profit and they're still giving you a huge amount of dividend, which means you know who's actually making the decisions here. If I have less money coming in as profit, why would I share it with my shareholders at the exact pace as I did 10, 20 years ago when I made massive amounts of profit? So that's a red flag. That's a warning sign there when you look at the dividend yields, when you look at the number of dividends per share over the long term. So, what happens then when you get the dividend? Well, the two options are you can take it out as cash payments. You can actually give them your bank account details and they'll deposit the dividend money in Australia. It's every quarter. Sometimes if it's index funds, it's every six months. Uh, I have both. I have stocks and also uh, index funds. Over the last sort of you know five years or so, I've sort of moved away from stocks. I've just I'll just pick an index and keep with it. I'll just invest in the whole Australian stock market because I know over the long term, uh, I am going to make money, and I have. I've got about 10 years' worth of data that says so. Um, and basically, you can um, get it as cash, and you can use it for your groceries or utilities or whatever you want to do. Okay. Now, I'm relatively young. I've got another 30 years to go before I retire, hopefully sooner. So I'm not going to take any of that as cash. I'm going to allow them to reinvest those dividends back into the shares or the indexes that I'm investing in, back into the stock market, which means over time, I'm going to take advantage of the power of compounding. It's absolutely vital because I don't need the cash now. I have enough cash flow. I don't have a cash flow problem. So why would I take the money and spend it now? So if you're a young listener, you're planning for retirement in the next 20 to 40 years time, my advice is don't cash out your dividends. If you don't need the money, don't cash it out. Allow it to reinvest and invest and buy more of the stock market. And because here's the beauty, because if you buy more over time, the power of compounding is that now you have more shares and then that produces more dividends. And then with those dividends, you buy more shares and that produces more dividends and the ball keeps rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. And this is the snowball effect, the compounding effect. But there's a secret advantage to this technique. Let me give you an example. Supposing today you buy $10,000 worth of stocks and that gives you a 10% yield. So you're going to get $1,000 in dividends after the year. Let's just assume that. Now, the following year, right, supposing you're still getting the dividends, but the stock price actually decreases to $9,000. So now your stock's only worth $9,000, but you've already collected the dividends from the previous year, which means your overall portfolio is actually worth $10,000, which means you kind of haven't lost money, if that makes any sense. Now, that is the power of the dividend. That is some cool mathematics right there to say that dividend stocks are stable. They really decrease the volatility. And over time, you just keep buying and buying and buying and buying and buying and never sell until, of course, if you want to retire, even then you're not going to sell. You're going to use the dividends as an income stream to retire on. That's the power of compounding. And that's also the power of having dividends to protect you against, you know, losses in the stock market. All right. Now, it's not without any risks. 
I would not advise you to individually pick stocks that pay high dividends. I'm not a stock picker. As you know me, I'm an index investor. I invest in the whole market. Uh, I'm not going to be picking individual stocks. And it's never guaranteed. So dividends are not guaranteed by, by the companies. And you never pick stocks just because of a dividend yield is high. Because I've already explained to you, the dividend yield is inversely proportional to the price per share. So if you've got a very high dividend yield, you have to wonder whether the share price is actually tanking. So um, three take-home points. I don't invest in individual stocks. I definitely invest for dividends. So I invest in the whole stock market. I'm currently averaging about 4 to 6% in dividends with my indices. And I don't invest purely because of the dividend. That's not something I'm interested in. Um, I'm interested in good companies that give you good dividends over the long term. And guess what? You just buy the entire stock market and it turns out the dividends roughly even themselves out over the long period of time. So um, the final point I want to make about dividend investing in Australia is it's much more powerful than overseas. And here's why. In Australia, we have a unique taxation system. And if you're a dividend investor, basically you avoid double taxation. To give you an example, in America, for example, if you buy dividend stocks, the company pays tax on their profits and then they distribute the dividend to the shareholder. Then the shareholder has to pay tax on the dividend based on their marginal tax rates. But this is where it's very, very interesting in Australia. Basically, the company pays their share of tax from the profits, which is 30%. Then when they pay the dividend to the individual shareholder, they attach what's called a franking credit. And the individual shareholder can apply that franking credit to their marginal tax rate to reduce the taxation. It's an incredible concept. Australia is one of the few countries in the world that offers this. And this is where, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, if there's a change of government, things are going to change. Things are not going to change. That is not what the change of government, if it happens, are going to target. The change of government are targeting more so about people that don't pay any tax, but yet claim all the cash refunds. That's a whole different topic. And I've talked about this in my previous podcast, but your franking credits and your you know, negation of double taxation in this country, is you're going to still get the benefit of it. So every year when I file my taxes, I get this sort of, you know, um, I get a summary from all of the share portfolios that I own. And basically it says, these are all the franking credits and I apply it to my marginal tax rates. Um, and basically I get a discounted tax rate. It's an incredible system. So in summary, we've covered what is income investing. We've covered what is a dividend and what is a dividend yield and why it can be dangerous and also a very, very good, powerful concept to understand. We've talked about stock picking, not a great idea, but more so you want to pick, uh, not pick, sorry, you want to have stocks in your portfolio that have rising dividends over the long term, but also the price per share rises over the long term as well. So it's a double whammy. And Income investing just doesn't mean dividends. It also means cash uh, investing, so online savings accounts, investment portfolios for rental income, REITs, real estate investment trusts, term deposits, um, and of course, the stock market. So this is Dev Raka, Personal Finance. I'm actually live, or not live, but I'm actually podcasting from Hong Kong. 
Um, I'm just on a week off in a conference here. Um, it's just fantastic weather in Hong Kong at the moment. I'm just uh, relaxing uh, after a very, very busy trip to Macau, which is a nearby uh, island. And um, I've just come back, hit the gym, and just chillaxing a little bit. So I thought I might talk a little bit about income investing, and hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I've enjoyed creating it. Um, and, uh, you know, just remember, if there's one take-home point is if you have 20 to 30 to 40 years of investing period of time, don't cash your dividends out. Allow them to reinvest. And, of course, like always, 20% of your after-tax income, put it away into an investment portfolio, buy you know, uh, a, a well-diversified stock portfolio and do it for the next 30 years, guys, the chances are you are going to be wealthy when you retire. And of course, this is outside your super. And of course, this also implies you never, ever get a raise. Now, if you're not getting a raise for 30 years, there are bigger problems. Till next time, this is Dev Raga Personal Finance. Thank you for all those people that have commented, Facebook, message, and SMS. Uh, and uh, I have more topics coming up in the ensuing weeks. I'm going to slow down a little bit because I'm going on an annual uh, sort of leave very soon, but I will be podcasting and hopefully uh, you will enjoy the future topics to come. Uh, Till next time, stay safe. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 